Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Our Bud will be looking back at Saturday's Wake Forest game. Obviously, didn't go the direction that the vast, vast majority of our listenership would have liked it to go into. Florida State suffers its first loss of the year, and we'll try to make as much sense of it, see what you can extrapolate as far as what's left of the season. And, uh, yeah, we'll just jump into it, as always. We want to thank the good people at Tarpon Sellers, Tarpon Sellers Wine, 20% off with use of the coupon code NOLCAST. Again, tarponsellers.com, coupon code NOLCAST, 20% off for any of our listeners. So with that, bud, let's jump into the review of the Wake Forest game. Yeah, man, this uh, this game went how I, not how I hoped it would go, but how I feared it would go. Um, I, I think if you have your players healthy, and that means love it, Scott, Verse, you know, Bethune with with two good arms, at full strength. I think Florida State is a legitimate, like top twenty five, top twenty level football team, power ratings wise. As currently comprised, I don't have them in my top fifty. Right, like you are the, the problem here is that the drop off from your best players who are not in the lineup to their replacements. Is huge. This is that's my number one takeaway from this game. Look at the PFF grades for some of these backups. Okay, like we know Malcolm Ray is is, is dinged up. He's he's trying his best. Jackson could be a little bit dinged up potentially, I guess. But I don't know how you'd know. I mean, it, it, like his, his play looks similar to how it usually looks. Um, on the offensive side of the ball. You, you didn't want Smith to start this year at center. That's why you brought in Caden Lyles. He's done for the season. You you weren't sure you wanted Jazz Turrentine as your last scholarship spot, right? Plus, Harris was the guy that we said all offseason was going to be the starter. Some people doubted us on that. He was definitely going to be the starter and a huge, huge upgrade over who el- whoever else they had. He's done for the year. Turrentine comes in and just sort of I, I would use the term unplayably bad, but here's the thing. Unplayably sort of intrinsically has it, it's implied that you have somebody else you can play. Yeah. Right. So he is not playing at an ACC level right now. You are seeing why Tarantine got benched at South Carolina on a bad offensive line, but I don't know that they have better options who they can plug in right now. And Washington also is a guy you didn't want to have to play this year because he didn't have a real off season. He got hurt again. In, in spring and didn't have a true offseason after injury. Like, I'd love to see what Washington looks like if he just has one healthy offseason. He's probably a playable player. But right now, I'm extremely proud of what this team has accomplished. But I'm not real bullish on them for the month of October. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it is cliche but it's the reason why the wins were as important as they were. And the reason why we were as excited about getting them as we were uh, to go ahead and bank four out of those in your first four is massive. Uh, I think Florida state will be competitive in the next two games. I think Florida state uh, will give effort. I just think you're looking at a team that very likely is going to be sitting four and three, uh, a four and three with a chance to regroup. And uh, I'm not, like dismissing over the weight game here when I say this, but the the future of the next two weeks and what I'm really going to try to look at it and take away is like, can you get through them without sustaining any other serious injuries? Can you get through these next two weeks? And Hey, look, the idea of maybe ambushing Clemson at home. That, that's great, man. Maybe you Possible. get, sure. Maybe you get lucky this weekend off a team that disappointed in a Clemson loss. Uh, still hurting from that. I'm not, I'm not writing off these next two games. But in all likelihood, you're going to be four and three, and you're going to have a chance to rest up, and you're going to have a chance to win every game after that. Uh, so uh, that is kind of the quick uh, macro overview of all of this. But you're just a team that is badly, badly beaten up. And as you said, unfortunately, a vast majority of the people that are injured are not only some of your better players, but are also playing your most impactful positions. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a giant drop-off between some of these guys. I mean, the first play that Jared versus in the game this weekend, you're immediately reminded, 
as to how much of a different level yeah. player that guy is. And Fabian Lovett, I mean, if you go back and watch uh, 15 minutes of the LSU game, you're going to get a reminder as to how good of a player Fabian Lovett is. You desperately need him. You also are starting to get an idea that you're going to have to hit in the portal uh, on the interior of the defensive line probably next year as well. But uh, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. I'm I'm kind of bullish that on that long term. Like I feel like like you 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 have a hit on Lions. I I, I think farmers you know Farmer Ray could be decent in in this league. But I'm also not somebody who thinks FSU takes a huge leap next year. I think like you had a nice leap year this year, and I don't want to get way too ahead of our skis here. But I'm not projecting like a two or three win jump for next year's team unless you get some certain guys back. I guess I, I agree with you there. I apologize for for jumping in. I but yeah, you might have to do some portal some some portal work. You probably will have to do some portal work for DN if, if first goes pro, uh, which. You know he's dinged up, so maybe he won't have the production, but he certainly will have the the, the combine testing numbers. I I would assume. Um, wh- while we're there on defense, I, I I have some complaints about this defense. You know I don't love this defensive staff. I think that if Mike's gonna gonna work out long term, he's gonna need to make some changes. Probably a D coordinator and DB coach. You know, and and maybe linebackers coach. I I don't love the back seven of this defensive staff right now, to be honest. So. They're playing extreme bend but don't break on almost every game, which, okay, that kind of makes some sense. I think given your players, it does make some sense. But they're playing it like crap. So check this out. They are number one in the nation, if you adjust for opponent, in explosive play prevention through the air. Number one, right? Nobody is allowing lesser explosive plays through the air. Now, part of that is probably you played – uh, a quarterback in LSU who likes to run around a lot. You played one in Louisville who lost two of his receivers during the game. You played Boston College who can't pass protect. And against Wake, you actually did a really nice job of preventing explosive plays through the air. The problem, man, is that if you're going to play this bend but don't break defense, which I don't disagree with strategically, you need to play it a lot better than you are because you are 126th in the country in finishing drives defensively. And that means opponents are scoring touchdowns against you at a crazy rate. All right? You're not forcing any field goals. You're not getting takeaways in the red zone. Just every time somebody crosses the 50, it's a touchdown. That's You you can't be bottom 10 in the country in red zone defense, which is basically what they are right now, you know? That's a problem. So on the one hand, they are doing a great job of allow, of preventing explosive pass plays. Nobody's throwing the ball over their heads. The safety play is still pretty good. The problem is they just don't look all that well coached, especially when they get down there. They're not disrupting anything. Part of that is probably verse Lovett, right? I, I don't I don't doubt that, but uh, that's that's unacceptable. You, you you cannot be that damn bad at red zone defense, and the, the splits are huge, right? They're like. Across the board, if you if you factor in you know, run game stuff, eighth, tenth in explosive play prevention, bottom one hundred in success rate allowed. Hmm. I mean, it's just it's a little bit too extreme. They don't look well coached to me. Adam Fuller's defense got smoked again in the first half, and then they made these second half adjustments again. To me, it felt like last year's Louisville game or like last year's Wake game, right? Where oh, another game where you give up three scores again in the first half. I. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I see the point you're you're saying there. I'm not sure I would go quite as far as that, but I mean, second half adjustments be damned if if uh, you know, like, did you adjust to Paul Johnson's offense if he stayed on the field for 11 minutes on a drive and ran out the the you know basically a quarter, which is something that he would be fond of doing. Uh, my my point there is that did you really adjust to a guy if he was able to keep his offense on the field for nine minutes or something like that while he, you know, basically right. ran out the, the clock? Um, yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, it is disappointing. You don't see some of the uh, levels of improvement that you would hope to see. And at the same time, you have to acknowledge that, like we said, um, your better players are just either not able to play at all or not able to really give you uh, full go on defense, particularly along the line of scrimmage. So uh, you banged up. It's a it's a tough tough ask right now. 
and it's kind of why I started the conversation with the fact that uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a degenerate Florida State fan. I want to see him win. I want to see him win both of the next weekends. But uh, my overall want is to not have any of the foundational pieces of which this team is built upon sustain any more injuries and that you can get through these next two weeks, regroup, and uh, feast on the part of the schedule that we kind of always thought you were going to have to. I mean, even during the preview, we suggested that, uh, you know, the, the real work that this team may do may have to be done at the back of the end of the season, uh, back into the schedule. And uh, after having seen everybody else play, my level of confidence that that may occur is, has only improved. So, um, yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, if they can get through, if they can get some of these pieces back, if uh, I don't really know where love it is, you know how people were excited I mean, that Robert Scott went through walkthroughs this weekend, bud. Like, yeah, but uh, everybody saw love it on the sideline. Like he does not look close to coming back. I don't so, think you'll get love it back before the bye week. I just yeah, don't. That's, like, that's, you, that's, I would suggest you classify Lovett as out right now. And until yeah. you start to see Lovett do some of the things that you can do, um, and I'm not trying to, you know, share information, but hey, look, if you see Lovett going through warm-ups in a in a week, uh, then yeah, start the clip start the clock. If you see there. him not in a boot, that would yeah. be a good first then step. Start the two to three week clock then. I mean, but until then, classify Fabian Lovett as out. And that's not something that we're going to revisit every week. Uh, there's some definitive things that happen to let you know a player may be coming back from injury. And until you see those definitive things happening, wouldn't classify Fabian Lovett as, as part of this uh, part of this defensive unit right now. Now, that's not me speaking in coded language, trying to tell you all he's out for the season. I don't believe he is. But this, hey, are we getting him back next week type conversation that we've had for three weeks in a row or so is probably not serving anybody well right now. Yeah, at Ask me on our October 24th podcast, which is the week before Georgia Tech, and I, I might have a different answer. I, I don't know that I will, but I would be surprised if he plays within the next two weeks. Not shocked. Guys heal up at different times. They, they got Marie Smith back a lot faster than they thought they would, and damn sure glad they did, right? Because I don't know if you beat LSU or Louisville if you have to run a third-string center in there. Uh, but, yeah, that, that is a major impact on this defense. Obviously, I, I don't know that like McClendon doesn't look as bursty to me mm. as he did earlier in the season. So my guess is he's dealing with something too. Patrick Payton was I think, encouraging in his play, but he's, he's still a, a young player. You're not really recruiting at a level where you're expecting these true freshmen or second year guys to come out here and dominate. Right. Like Mike Staff is recruiting well this year. They recruited poorly in prior years relative to FSU standards. So the kids you recruited the last couple of years are sort of developmental kids and are going to need some time, which is fine. FSU's administration is going to be patient with Mike as they should. He's done a good job. And I think all the FSU fans, like I, I put, I put this on our Twitter. If I told you that your starting center is gone for the year, right? Your starting right tackle is gone for the year. Robert Scott's going to miss at least half your conference games, which they've played what three so far. If you watch him go through warm-ups, he doesn't look at all close to coming back. So uh, that's half your conference games. Lovett's going to miss, I think, more than half of your conference games. Uh, who else? Do, oh, Winston Wright, the most proven receiver you took in the transfer portal. I, I mean, he can tweet that he's coming back all he wants, right? And, and like his, you know, they, people can claim that, oh, he told him, hey, I'm coming back by the Louisville game. Doesn't appear to be so. So we'll see when he comes back, if he comes back this year. Um, if I told you you would have all those guys out and that you'd be 4-1 going going against NC State, you'd be you'd take that. You would bank that. Uh, this team it is crazy to me that DraftKings puts up these adjusted season win totals and FSU sits at 8.5. Now, if I had to bet that, I'm betting yonder hard. Now, maybe by, by the time the show airs, they'll move the juice. But the fact that eight and a half, like I could see throwing up an eight, right? Because you have seven games left. It's conceivable you could go four and three in those in those final seven. Uh, three and four might be more likely to me, but it just depends on who you get healthy and who you don't. Uh, offensively, 
what do they do the next two weeks to give themselves a chance to win? Like, like I'm not saying that they will win these games. I don't think they will. I mean, shocker, I'm not picking FSU in the next two weeks. But you need to have a game plan that allows you to pull out a victory if Clemson or NC State royally screw up. That sort of needs to be the mentality here. What if NC State completely lays an egg off an emotional game at Clemson, which is prob- which was probably the game that will decide the division? What can you do? And my normal answer is easy button, run Jordan. But Jordan doesn't look good right now athletically, man. Like that one rollout, I, I talked about this in the instant. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, – like it looks like he reached back for something and it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, that that was uh, surprising. That that was probably what I had off the most as far as what I thought going into the game from a projection standpoint as to what you could do and then just what your raw pieces look like on Saturday, you know, Saturday afternoon. Uh I agree. There were a couple times there we thought Jordan there's there's 8 or 9 yards just tuck it up there and it wasn't there. And the couple times where he tried to dig deep and maybe get a corner or something like that uh wasn't really there either. So no, I don't think you can don't think you can hit the easy button. Um, I'm not sure exactly how you game plan for this weekend. I'm not saying it's some insurmountable task, but I, th- I have a decent idea as to what you do against Clemson. I mean, you try to block it up, you try to make it close, and you hope that bad DJU comes out and that you're you know fortunate that you got a 7:30 game and you can have hype, energy, excitement, all of those things happen uh, with what North Carolina State can do along the defense line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, I, I'm not trying to be again. Look, we're not, this isn't sky's falling podcast or whatever else here. You did a great job of winning your first four games. Your first four games put you in a situation where people who don't just give away money are talking about you winning eight and a half games this year. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. I legitimately think you have a chance to lose these next two games, take a bye week. And if you're healthy enough, you might win five in a row. You might legitimately do that. You could sweep the final five. So we are not casting this as, oh, you know, you're going awry. Things are, you know, sky's falling. But you're in a pretty rough place right now for the next two weeks. And if you sustain any other injuries in these next two weeks, then you can probably go two and three in your final five as well. So um, it, it it's an interesting time. Absolutely. So I, I completely agree with you. It, one of this is going to be men- mentality. I would come out and chuck the ball every single time against NC State, right? Like, I I don't think you can run the football very well against these guys. Their run defense this year is awesome. They're eighth in the country in opponent-adjusted rushing defense. I'm not really sure if Jordan doesn't look right physically if you can do that. I think you need to probably just spread them out and chuck, chuck, chuck. Now, they're pretty good against the pass, too. They're 17th (laughs) against the pass. So, it's it's no – it's no cakewalk, but we have seen teams bomb it on them before. That's probably your hope. I'll also give you a couple things here. Number one, NC State is not a good red zone offense. This will be a major test for Adam Fuller's defense. Right? I think if you go up to NC State and you give up a boatload of points in the red zone to these guys, NC State is 78th in red zone scoring. They are 115th in goal-to-go touchdown rate. So when they get first and goal, they're only 115th in getting those touchdowns. Now, there's a lot of noise in this stuff. Like, do I really think FSU is a bottom 10 team in the country in red zone defense? No, I do not, right? It's it's a five-game sample. There's only so many red zone trips. There's a lot of noise in these stats early on. But they, they are somewhat instructive early on. NC State's probably better than that. They're not 115th. Right, we really think like there's other that there are teams in, in the Sun Belt or the Mountain West that are that much better than them at this. I, I do not, but this is weakness v weakness. Something has to give. And if you're if you're NC State, you're like, hey man, FSU's defense straight up sucks in the red zone. If you're the Knowles, you're like, hey, NC State's offense sucks in the red zone. That's kind of how you go about go about winning this game. The tie changes for you there. Maybe Leary throws you a couple picks. Maybe that team is down and you hit a couple bombs. I don't think you're going to win that game. It's possible that you do. The Clemson game, I do have some real concerns about. Uh, I know some smart people who just bet DJ for the Heisman, right? Uh, If you watch his game against Georgia Tech, he was not productive, but he had 
four or five big time drops so far this year. His numbers are great. I mean, he, he's 11 to one touchdown interception ratio. He's throwing it deep, almost 10 air yards per pass, 66% completions. I mean, Clemson doesn't look like the Death Star again to me, but they are looking pretty good defensively. They've slipped a little bit almost entirely due to injury, I think. Right. You, you're playing a bunch of freshmen in the back end. Will they get those guys back by the time they come to Tallahassee? Who knows? Yeah. How do you manage this if you're Mike and you go into the next games and one of them's a close loss and one of them a blowout? Can you get this team to realize, hey, I know you started out 4 0. It wasn't reasonable for us to go 11 and 1. Regroup, continue to have a good season. How do you get that mentality in there? Because as a coach, you can't be like, hey, man, these, these two games don't matter. Let's get to the bye week. Internally, they have to be thinking, let's try to steal a win. But we know this year, it's make a bowl game. Make that bowl game before you play Florida so you don't have the same thing that happened last year and continue to recruit well. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think that's what it is. Uh, you have to try to make it through these these two weeks if you get a chance to get somebody on the ropes and get fortunate fantastic if not you have to come in sell the team that everything that you talked about at the beginning of the year is still there you still have miami and florida still have games that uh this program needs to win as far as a proof concept and direction it's added and hey get in there win four out of five win eight games have a chance to go to a decent bowl game and turn the trajectory of the program around, which is exactly what, you know, probably the most, uh, I don't want to say realistic, but I don't, I don't think many people in that locker room thought that they were going to go 11 and one or something like that this year. Right. Uh, best case scenario would have been uh, win some of these higher profile games, have a chance at win, win in nine games entering into November and uh, have a, I mean, that would be an incredible, incredible result. So yeah, that's uh, I, I don't know. You can't, like you said, you can't put a team in bubble, in bubble wrap and just kind of, you know, sim your way through these next two weeks. Use a video game phrase and pop out the other side of a bye week healthy. Uh, games are there to be played. You want to play them. You got a chance at winning a high profile game, uh, of course. But uh, for all intents and purposes, the next two weeks are see what you can get. See if you can't steal something, and otherwise, see if you can't get through them without impacting the rest of the season and the pieces that you have to, to win and be competitive with. All right. Uh, where do you want to go now? I want to talk about our friends, Chad and Shannon partners with us since I believe 2017. Um, we have been wildly fortunate to pair with Chad and Shannon. And not only do they provide uh, an exceptional service within their industry, and I, like I'm fond of saying, you've chosen them twice on your own volition, brought in your family into it. That's awesome. Uh, but it's really cool what they're doing. Uh, we always say, hey, give Shannon a call and maybe you find a, a, a guy that can help you with a home loan. If nothing else, you found five, you know, five minutes to talk to somebody on the phone that loves Florida State. And uh, their newest initiative, I think, is only the greatest proof of that that we can have. So $250 of every loan that is competed, uh, completed from here moving forward, uh, they will make a donation uh, of that amount to Rising Sphere. So fantastic. You'll still get your Nolcast t-shirt as well. This isn't a uh, either and or something like that type proposition. But yeah, any of our listeners, uh, either uh, just let them know. And Chad and Shannon will make that donation towards Rising Sphere and have a little bit more of a formal support system uh, with them in Florida State Athletics. Rising Spear, obviously, uh, you know, very important to FSU uh, in terms of retention and uh, player personnel. So absolutely great that, they're, that Jen and Shen are doing that for us and, uh, and doing that for the program. What's the number to call? It's 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Uh, maybe turning into more of a buyer's market here. I, I'm not not a not a real estate guy, but uh, have been looking just, just a little bit and you know, I, I could see it turning here. Maybe, I see some memes on Instagram, which is a really good way to to gauge uh, the market. And it, it, some of these realtors are like uh, doing this like uh, you know reels dances, and they're like, "Oh, it, it's uh, like no longer getting seven offers on each home instantly, and uh, you got got to market more." So 
could be turning into more more of a buyer's market than, than a seller's market, I would say. Um, do you, let me tell, let me tell you this. Do you play Armella? If what we saw on Saturday is where you are, yeah. I mean, you can't. Uh, there's certain things of Jazz that you're asking him to do that he just can't do that aren't unreasonable expectations, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he should be able to do them. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. You're not you're not asking for you're not like asking some of the things that we used to laugh about with like Rick Trickett's system of of centers. And if you didn't have one of the nation's best centers, then Oh yeah, that's great that you draw it up on paper, and that guy should be able to, you know, scoop that lineman. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I do, bud. I mean, I I just don't think that. Um, I'm not trying to pick on a kid, but it's it is. There's a whole lot of Jawan Williams at times with Jazz, and uh, man, there's just only so much. Uh, it's hard to articulate. Like, look, if your offense is every third play. You're like getting tackled for loss or three, or a quarterback's uh, you know drop back is immediately blown up because a tackle either doesn't have the uh, you know the ability to do it or the uh, you know the the mental clarity as to what he's doing on each play. I, it's just it's a horrible situation for your offense right now. And yeah, I, I, look if you're going to be having bad reps uh, and you're going to be having things occur that are disruptive to your offense then it's, it doesn't always boil down to something this simple, but I would certainly think that you want that with a kid that you could see playing for you for the next three, two to three years and not somebody that, you know, this is uh, just kind of a, a plug and play rental type situation. I, I think that makes sense. Um, I'm not really of the belief that you can quote unquote ruin a kid uh, for the most part, right? Armel is a guy with a lot of self-confidence. He goes in there. If he plays better, cool. All right. If he doesn't, maybe you like you don't. There's no rule that says if you play Armella that you you can't put Jazz back in or you can't put Washington back in. That's that's the other problem is you have you have two problem tackles right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to rag on these kids. They're just not ACC quality players at this point in their careers. One due to injury. One. I mean, I just think you kind of know what you have here. It's his fifth or sixth year playing college football. That's problematic for you. And Alex Atkins, I think, is a good offensive line coach. And I do think he tries to put these guys in position to succeed. And I think as the OC as well, he does a good job of trying to call stuff that you think you can actually block, which is an advantage of having an O-line guy as your OC and and working closely with Mike. But, I mean, some of this stuff, it, it looks to me just like blown assignments. It's not, hey, I'm getting physically whipped. It's just I'm not blocking the right guy or I'm just going into a – like you said, there's some major Jawan Williams moments here, just just space cadet stuff where it's like, wait, what? Like what What are you stepping that way for on, on this play? It, it some of the, Sometimes we don't know what the rules are on some of these blocking plays that they're trying to run. Sometimes it's pretty obvious, right? Like you don't, you don't step the opposite way if everybody else is zone stepping. Right. That that's just common sense. So I'm not guessing on some of this stuff. I actually know. It's just physics and blocking rules. Everybody runs everybody runs ba- the same base plays in, in the sport of football. They run them a little bit differently, but like you know how you you know how they're supposed to be blocked for the most part. I, I guarantee you Alex Atkins is not teaching some of the, some of the, these blocks. There's no way because he likes making money and coaching football. <laughs> and if he did teach it this way. Norvell would fire him on the spot. Uh, I, man, they're just they're in a tough spot here because you have some major guys that you have to block in the next two weeks. Even if Brzee doesn't come back soon for Clemson, I don't know if he will. It's still still a problem. Now, I think you could win one of these two games. I do. I don't think you should be – like the spread shouldn't be 25. You might lose by 25, but it shouldn't be the expectation. I, I think you have a team that plays hard. You have a quarterback who's an improved passer in Jordan. Although I do think some teams will try to emulate the game plan that Wake used. And uh, NFL teams will watch that and be like, I don't know. It's a lot of double clutching. That's a lot of kind of second guessing and, and 
not really working the ball to the middle of the field a whole lot. I'm rambling here, man. I I don't know. There's just I was really enjoying talking about a, a good FSU team through the first couple of weeks, or at least a, a team that was winning. And I I don't want to go back to the last five years. That was not a super fun time to do the Nolcast. Like we did it because we're professionals, but I don't. It wasn't fun necessarily. Uh, no, no, it wasn't fun. Uh, but I don't necessarily think the fun's over either. I just think no, it may I... be a, a rough two weeks, um, and that you still have a lot of things that you can you know, work on. You, a lot of things you can still sell as to the general trajectory of the program and uh, all the things that we've talked about earlier. So, I uh, do want to thank our friends at Charlie Park. Fun certainly not over there. Uh, Charlie Park is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar as we're fond of saying, and as you come into Tallahassee uh, for games, would certainly encourage you to have them in the back of your mind and to make reservations, uh, whether it be a Friday night up there or Sunday morning for their brunch that we're so fond of. Uh, CharliePark.com is the website. All of, of the For the Table restaurant properties are fantastic and beloved by us, whether it be Township, Madso, or anything else, but particular thanks to our friends at Charlie Park for making the Nolcast possible. Where do we go from here? Um, a couple people asked about recruiting. And this is the polar opposite of what you had last year. You, know, you, had, you had a tough loss at home. It happens. We said this in the preseason. You have to start hot. You have to start hot. You have to start hot. If you start hot and finish poorly, the impact in recruiting is not the same as if you start poorly and finish hot, as we saw last year. A lot of these kids' minds are already made up. If you start good, you ev you evidence some proof of concept, which is what they've done. And then you can say, look, injuries are wrecking us, which they are. Like, that's not a cop-out. This FSU team with its players healthy are good. This FSU team with a major cluster of injuries at one or two positions is bad. Or not bad. That's, that's extreme. Just a, a very average college football team playing, unfortunately, Probably the three best teams they'll play this year, depending on how, how good Florida looks at the end of the year. Maybe Miami gets healthy and looks great. Who knows? I'm a little skeptical on that. Um, I think recruits buy this. They can see, look, man, we're down our top three linemen. You know, it is what it is. If you start poorly, they're just not going to take note of you all of a sudden playing well for the most part. So, no, I do not think this is going to affect recruiting that much is it going to uh, shut the door on you high school recruiting wise for some let's call them like stretch goal targets that you might have wanted to go after yeah probably because there's a good chance that you don't get ranked again this season right i mean if you go four and three when's the next time you're ranked if you finish eight and four i don't think you're ranked maybe you are if, if you have a win over lsu in the opening game and lsu it's like LSU could go eight and four because the, the SEC West this year is not good, right? I mean, Arkansas is, yeah. Um, A&M's A&M. Yeah, A&M is, I mean, Paul Feinbaum is out there just like watching Haymaker saying like he, he would not be the A&M coach without Jameis Winston and his offense is hot trash basically, so. Um, Seems to be a popular opinion right now. By the yeah. way, are, uh -huh. can, can we talk about this? Uh, did you see the uh, – you got, you got media who are pretty close uh, to the coach down there now saying that uh, they feel like he will hire an offensive coordinator and play caller. Well, it was always the plan. It's always a five-year plan, absolutely, when the OC comes in. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, look, I don't. I think I think recruiting, watching that play out last year was interesting. And uh, I certainly agree with you that you gotta, you'd much rather start high. Uh, then try to explain why you went 0-4 and vice versa. Um, also think that you've got um, – look, I think recruiting – I think you still got a chance to nail recruiting. Now, you're right, are some of those stretch plays, some of the ideas of, hey, we're going to flip, you know, committed kids here or there, yeah, probably a little bit more of a challenging thing to do if the next two weeks go in the manner that you do. But And I hate to sound like a broken record here. But if you regroup and you come in at four and three and you start winning games and you're able to get as many kids here for that Florida game, Black Friday game, the day after Thanksgiving, 
I still think you can close exceptionally strong, and I still think you're going to be a destination place in the portal. Yes. I, I had somebody pose this to me. Do you think because FSU has done so poorly in high school recruiting so far under Mike that they will risk falling in love with taking more high school kids this time? And, and I said, I, I don't know, man. Like, I I get where you're coming from, but – and, and the, the person's point was they're really good at the portal. And do you think that they – take high school kids they shouldn't take just because they can finally get some as opposed to the prior years where, where your high school recruiting was poor. And I said, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think they understand they, that they need to hit the portal hard again. Um, you don't want to fall in love with the portal forever. I do think you need to have guys who are in your program and develop it because eventually just variance tells you you'll miss in the portal, mm-hmm. just like you missed in high school. And then what happens, what happens then culturally that can be an issue. But, no, I, I don't think they're going to take that many more high school kids. I do think they're going to save a good number of spots for the transfer portal. Uh, just you're going to need to take probably two offensive linemen at least, two defensive linemen, probably another defensive back. Depending on what happens with you at linebacker, probably a backer. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen at receiver. But you may want to take one there. Um, although I think they'll play high key early. So I don't know, man. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch. I don't I, see I, them doing that. I don't see them extending on high school recruits. If anything, I think they're going to be more um, conservative with that. I mean, I think you think that you've got a legitimate chance to grab some kids to be a little bit of a portal destination. And um, I think that the last couple of weeks has made it clear that you've got to, uh, you got to go in and, and, you know, it's simplistic and dumb to say like, oh, you got to find another Fabian Lovett, but you got to go find another difference maker on the inside. I'm not trying to badmouth kids. I know some of those kids that are playing are battling through injuries, but um, you you need some help on the interior of the defense line. And I'm, You're not going to rely on Jared Jackson, just the, the light coming on in year five? Uh, I wish, man. Not going to bank your season on that. I always said I thought that kid would either boom or bust one way or another, uh, and that hasn't happened. I mean, he's that, and that's not a that's not me trying to knock a kid. I'm glad to see that he's in the program, contributing to it and stuff. But I always thought that would either be a kid that was dismissed or a kid that would end up making, you know, third team All Conference or something like that. And I got to say that on the level of play, I don't see that quite. you know, trending in that direction right now. So, um, yeah, you need help on the interior. I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I, I look at next year's schedule, and there are certainly some teams that you're going to need some guys who can bang. I, I would expect LSU to take a step forward next year, and you're, you're going to need some offensive line guys to bang them if you want to win that opening game in Orlando. Um, at UF, I don't know. I... I I think Florida actually loses a lot of uh, pretty important pieces on the offensive line. Florida's got a good old line this year, by the way. This is one of the reasons why you really need Lovett to, to come back. They're they're one of the best SEC offensive lines. Hmm. Um, I thought they pushed around Tennessee some. Now, defensive line, I don't think Florida is all that great, although they would whip the current group you have out there on your O-line. Like this is that's a, those are these are winnable games if you get healthy down the stretch. Right. I mean, if you played Florida tomorrow, I think Florida beats you. If you played Florida in six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, uh, seven weeks, kind of had, had that number surrounded, I think you have a pretty good shot if you get healthy. Yeah. Looking at this, they have, I mean, we're, you know, Gurridge, I, I don't know if he's going to go pro or not. Uh, you know, White, uh, we'll see. Kingsley's a sophomore. Osiris Torrance is kind of rocketing up draft boards. That, that's the kid they took from Louisiana. Uh, they have somebody out at right tackle because I know Barber's not the normal starter there. So maybe they actually don't lose that many dudes off a pretty good offensive line. I guess we'll see. Um, but you're going to need some guys. Like at BC, we'll we'll see how, how they are. By the way, shout out to BC for beating Louisville. Yeah, was, yeah uh, I think that may be the end of uh, – oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's the end of, of old Mr. Uh, 
Strickland up there, but that's a that's a tough look. I will say uh, BC outplayed them by a lot. Louisville gave them three turnovers in the first twenty minutes of this game, and still won. I mean, it was really uh, it was I, like as far as like a down to down basis, BC whipped them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I I, uh, I look at next year's schedule. I, I think your your other your your draw from from the coastal is actually pretty fav- pretty favorable. Right? If if this is correct, is this actually correct? The 2023 schedule has this almost can't be correct, right? No, I I, I think I think the uh the, the schedule page has this wrong. Anyway, I'll we'll we'll come back to that at a later date. I am totally not following the show notes that Ingram put together today, and that is why the show is choppy as, as hell. It's just a, just a look back at a, a little bit of a tough game there. So, no, it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I I think it's risky to just be like, oh, well, that's Satterfield done at Louisville after a game like that. But it certainly feels like the air has been taken out of the balloon there. I uh, want to remind you, as always, of our friends, Congruity, Congruity HR. Dot com is the website, uh, people that we have worked with in our own little small business here, uh, people that I've had an exceptional experience uh, working with directly with my business. And uh, again, if you have an interest in reaching out directly to me to put you in touch with Matt Lewis or his team at Congruity, I'd be happy to do so. Or you can just go to congruityhr.com, browse the website for yourself, but whether it be help with payroll, HR, or any other thing in the day-to-day task of running a business, I would encourage you to reach out to Matt, explore whether or not the partnership would you, for you, would be as beneficial as it has been for us. A big thank you to him. So Matt, uh, so Matt, so Bud, is there anything else that you would want to look at from the game? Uh, We've always got our prize picks reviews uh, that we can do here and uh, look at how that broke out. But, Otherwise, you know, just a, a great showing by a fan base. Love that. Um, but, a, a, you know, a game that was uh, disappointing in the way that you just weren't able to do some of the things that we thought you'd be able to do on the offensive side of the ball as far as running it. And uh, defensively, you know, obviously the plan was to limit what Wake Forest could do, and you didn't want to give a bunch of three-play drives or anything else. Uh but their ability to run the ball and not only run the ball. I mean, that's one thing, but like run the ball and then pick up an extra six or seven yards, just based off effort and poor tackling and stuff like that was a particularly tough thing to see. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to a couple of things on, on both sides. So we, we opened the show talking about they had the right plan and they executed it poorly. They, they look poorly coached on defense to me. Like they weren't trusting their, their, their coaching. Um, and some guys are, are playing banged up for sure. But Bethune, I don't think, misses some of the tackles that he missed if, if he if he had two arms. So they're kind of walking wounded right now, right? Um, you know, hold on just a second. Okay. Um, so uh, that was a problem. I do have to say here, I, I Mike took a lot of criticism for the final drive before the half, right? And yes, I think it's probably a mistake to quote-unquote play for the field goal, but I don't know if that's entirely what he was doing. I do think he was trying to drain the clock and make that the last possession of the half, which I don't really disagree with. And I think one of the reasons why he did so is because his defense was getting absolutely ripped in the first half. So I kind of wonder, does does the way he played that sort of show what you're thinking or what he's thinking about his defense? That to me is is a question. I mean, you, you gave up 267 yards in the first half and three touchdowns. I think if you're Mike, you're like, man, my defense sucks, and Wake, Wake is owning us. We, we need we need to kind of like a boxer. Right, need, need need to get to the corner, cannot give Wake the ball back again before the half with any time to score. So I I think that's one of the reasons why he played it the way you did. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a four minute drive, starting from your own twenty six, but you're, 
I mean, you're at the 50 by what three, three fifteen, three twenty, I think. So you know, then you're at Wake's 22 with with a minute 16 left. Uh, so you you spent a lot of time going 25 yards. I think that was sort of all right. Hey, we're not gonna have to punt this ball. We do want this to be the last possession of the half. If if we if we score here, like a touchdown would be obviously pretty nice. You you could make it a, a 21-14 game uh, instead. At worst, you're thinking 21-10, and then you realize your kicker just can't kick. I don't have a lot to say about the kicker. It just I mean, it's two of seven against FBS teams. Uh, I I don't know what we could say. Small sample, but some of these aren't aren't particularly close, and and, and the technique does look uh, like a lack of confidence. The run game stuff, though, on FSU's offensive side. We did talk about this. This is not entirely surprising. We talked about it against Boston College. We talked about it against Louisville, that you have not been successful running the football in those two games for large stretches. Now, the second half against Louisville, you did find something, which was nice. You did not really find that again against Boston College. So, Yeah, the old kicker, bud. You know, I mean, that's... Uh... <laughs> Sometimes it cracks me up what people will say, like, uh, you know, guy in his 40s or 50s, it'll be like, hey, I bet I could go out there and run like a 4-9 or something like that. And I'm like, oh, do you? You bet you could run a 4-9. I bet. Uh, Out of chance. Yeah. Dog, a lot of people can go out there and kick a 25-yard field goal. You know, there there are, (laughs) like... Uh, there are some crazy extrapolations that fans make, and then there are some things that, like, uh, it's just not, you know, it's so far from a, a physical thing when you get to kickers missing extra points and missing 28 yard field goals and things like that. That it's, uh, it's tough to see. I mean, I compared it on Twitter to a second baseman that all of a sudden can't throw it to first. And if you look at that and look, I, I'm quick to tell you all I kicked in middle school. I don't try to act like I'm a, a, a kicker of, of, you know, significance or of great knowledge, but just when you watch that kid kick right now, it's everything that could ever be wrong uh, with with kicking and follow through and anything else. And that's just not a situation that, uh, you know, not a situation that I think has a has a good ending to it, unfortunately. So uh, whether it be intramural or existing pieces on the roster or letting Master Mono try to kick it, I don't know what it is, but I really would be surprised how much more Fitzgerald you see moving forward. I mean, I just I don't know how you can run them out there and and not lose the team, right? I, I don't I don't mean that as a, as a, a a jerk comment, but if you play on this team and you run them out there, uh, it, and he continues to kick like that, it, what what do you what do you do? You you start to get kind of pissed off at Mike. It, it's almost like if you're a baseball player and the closer comes in and he keeps blowing games. Even if you're the manager and you have some confidence in him, uh, eventually you got to be like, "All right, I, this is this is too much. Can't can't allow this to to continue to to happen." Um, I'm clicking around here. Actually, I, I thought about this. Is that? Yeah, that's there. I'm pretty sure, man, that uh, I think. How many times do you think FSU's defense has held FBS opponents has played or power five to less than 13 points in the first half in the last, like this year and last year? Less than 13 points in the first half, three times? I think so. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, they held Florida to seven last year, and then kind of collapsed in the second half. But I, I, I don't know, man. I do think this whole bad starts by this defense thing is is a real, real problem. I'm gonna have to look into this more statistically to make sure my eyes aren't lying to me. But I, I'm gonna go back and look at what the team totals were for these games, right? Like how many times. 
team totals basically like you can bet on a side, you can you, like meaning the spread, you can bet on on the over under the total. Uh, and then they do team totals, which is basically like the you can bet on how many points a team will score. I'm very curious as to how many times FSU's opponents are going over their team totals and um and how many times they're going after those going over those first half team totals. I, I just mm-hmm. I feel like this defense puts the team in a hole consistently in the first half. Now you can also, I mean, the offense here clearly played poorly in this game. I just, I, the offense to me is less of a pattern mm-hmm. than the yeah. defense is. Something we uh, will continue to look down, look at, and bring uh, bring back in conversation uh, as we depart today. Do want to thank our friends at Prize Picks. It was a, a fun weekend along the Prize Picks front. Uh, went into that game suggesting Jordan Travis fantasy score over and Mike Pittman receptions number over those both hit throughout a couple numbers in the national uh, scene, but I liked Brock Bowers fantasy score. If you're watching that game on like the second or third final play of the game, uh, Bowers gets tackled at the one yard line on what appears to be oh. like a 12 yard screen. So I was hoping that would come true. And um, yeah, the Alabama, I had the thought process right. I just didn't realize it would be the game that uh, Jameer Gibbs would wake up and take over that position. So it was not the uh, not the other running back that I thought there. But uh, also Bryce whole, Young, I mean, getting hurt changes that game script quite a bit. Yeah, certainly he does. But uh, no, it was a brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I think I played 13 cards this weekend on prize picks and killed it. got a return on 10 of them. So it was uh it was fun, and man, I was uh, was about a yard away from a UNLV game of being able to buy just baby jerseys for the whole offense. I don't know <laughs> would have been would have been quite a Friday night, but uh, nonetheless, great time with our friends at Prize Picks. Uh, just as a fun, entertaining way, and it has uh, it has made me uh, you know more knowledgeable, and I've watched more college football this year than I have in a long, long time. And yes, a lot of that tends to be some wild West coast games where it all comes down. So uh, prizepicks.com is the website. Nolcast is the coupon code to get your initial deposit match back. And bud, a uh, little bit of a discombobulated game, but Hey, just wanted to uh, give you all our thoughts on this early morning. And uh, we'll be back later on this week to have a little bit more of a formal look at a trip to Raleigh. No doubt about it. Uh, Ingram may be doing a solo show. We will see. I got, got the truck loaded up with some supplies for some of my friends down here in Fort Myers. Got some chainsaws. So uh, hopefully we go, you know, there you go. Degrees, uh, speed up the process. Some folks getting power back down back there. And uh, but I, I do have a lot of my notes ready for NC State. So if Ingram has to go solo, um, you know, hopefully he can just read off some stuff for me, too, if he wants. But thought he did a great job on the preview last week and we will uh we'll try we'll try to make it work i've, I've got the hot spot we'll, we'll see how the service is down there and uh well done. yeah man Trip wish you the best of luck down there we'll make it work one way or another and uh we'll be back later on in the week all right y'all enjoyed it as always we'll talk to you soon all right see you buddy